Welcome to another place and time Where one day you'll be dead or you'll survive Hello all you legends out there, how are you doing? And welcome to Dead or Survive. I am your host, Rob Riches. And I'm your other host, Cheryl Riches. How's everybody doing out there? I hope you guys are all having a fantastic week. Here, it snowed! Oh, yay. Wife was so excited. She was out there <laughs> running around trying to catch snowflakes with her tongue. Nope, nope. If you've listened to any of the episodes, I'm sure I've told you how much I hate the cold. And speaking of episodes, we sh haven't told people, new listeners in a long time, what this is about. So why don't we tell them that? What do you mean I haven't told them what it's about? What our podcast is about. I did a whole hello podcast before the second okay. season podcast listen if you're a new listener i will tell you a story about an amazing survival somebody who survived against all the odds and then rob will tell you about somebody that doesn't fare so well i do a darwin award yes why are we telling people this again because we should once in a while we should revisit uh you know what i just think that we're so amazing that people know what we do all the time Anyways, Rob does a story about a Darwin Award. That's what I just said. <laughs> so do you, if you don't know what a Darwin Award is, it's somebody who removes themselves from the gene pool by doing something very stupid. This is true. That is what happens. Yes. Okay. We've covered that. That's it. That's it. That's what you wasted my whole introduction on. Yep. Now carry on. I don't even remember anymore. I have no idea now. We my went... whole introduction. I had a whole thing laid out and you came up with that. Snow. What about snow? That's what you were talking about. I know. And then you interrupted me and I don't even remember now. Oh, boy. Oh, I got you a heater. I got you a heater. Yes. Yes, you did. So I worked at this organization for 21 and a half years. At, but the first little while doesn't count because you're on contract and stuff. And after, so for my 20-year gift, I bought, I got a choose some gifts. They give you a little catalog. And... I didn't get what I wanted. I got what my wife wanted, as always. And I got her a patio heater. Yes, it's very nice. But what did you want? Knives. Oh, yeah. Knives are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> knives. <laughs> cutting stuff. They were like Japanese swords or something that were made and forged from the irons of Japan, Mount Fuji. Yeah. Do they chop through cans? and Everything. <laughs> yeah. I could build a house with them. You could hammer the, the nails in with the handles and, oh. and cut the wood with the knives. They were amazing. Well, now we get to stay warm instead. Yes. So I put that together for her yesterday while I was out barbecuing in the snow. Yep. And she came home and she was a happy little, little girl. And then we played with it. So that's what I've been doing. Yes. Yep, Basically just working. Oh, we're going to the gym, working out. Yeah, we told them that last week. I know, but yep. we went this week too. Yeah, we went again. Yep. It's week two and we haven't quit yet. Nope, progress, progress. My legs still hurt. <laughs> and we're still fostering our little puppy. Yep. And Martha is still looking for her forever home. She's settling in here. <laughs> and if you don't want to adopt Martha, that's okay. But you should really check out Rebel Rescue, Rebel Dog Rescue. Um, there's lots of dogs up there and they're all looking for homes. They all come from Texas right now where yeah. they uh, would be euthanized uh, within 72 hours. So yeah. 
all seriousness out there if anybody's looking for a pet or fosters they're really looking for fosters. or people that want to foster maybe that's where you find out if you want to have a dog or not it's a really good uh, organization and if not I know it's so nice to go out and buy a puppy and and you know they are cute and adorable and we have friends that do it but also right now with all the COVID there is a lot of animals out there that just need our help and our love and our attention so yeah. think about adopting think about going to a shelter think about uh if you're if you're in that situation where you could help somebody please do so yes well we're recording this a little earlier and i'm surprised even though we are a little earlier the wife has coffee I did you put bailey's in it I if i had bailey's it would be in it oh I, she's I very guess. angry this morning martha decided to take her on a walk so if my <laughs> wife has a little bit of an edge about her well i went into work this morning uh to do some stuff basically just hide from martha uh so while I was at work, my uh, wife was taking all the dogs out and Martha is always on a leash because we have to keep her on a leash and stuff. But my wife got turned around and did something and she slipped and Martha took off and Martha did not come back to her right away. <laughs> so my wife was running around in the backyard. Yeah. We have a couple of acres uh, chasing a dog that thought it was a game. So I kind of really wish I was here because I think it would have been fun to watch. <laughs> but my wife is trying to chase a leash. She can't while, get a hold of it. While keeping track of the other three while dogs. While keeping track of three other dogs, yes. Because our dogs stay off leash. But they thought this was all very interesting. So I, I was a little bit worried that they were going to take off as well. And it was just going to be like one of those Benny Hill, whatever, the little running around things. You know what I'm, Benny Hill. Anyways. I wish I was here and I wish I had our camera set up in the backyard instead of looking at our garage because I think it would have been fun to watch. <laughs> However, it has put her in a little bit of a myth this morning. She was a little, little off, a little bit of an edge about her. When I caught her, she's very happy. She was a very happy girl. That was so much fun. Let's do it again. Anyways. Well, it's good that you got up this morning. Got your you got a jog in, right? You got some yeah, exercise. Yeah, in. I got my cardio. There you go. <laughs> so, no Bailey's, but you have coffee. I have coffee. You have a story. I do. Well, then let her rip it, Chip. Okay. This week, I am going to tell you about John Capes. Who? John Capes. Oh, I thought you said crepes. I was going to say, ooh, pancakes. No, Capes like Batman. Capes was born in 1911. I couldn't find much about his early life other than he had been educated at Dulwich College, which I think is like, was like a prominent, you know, for rich kid college at the time. Where? Don't know. <laughs> he was the son of a diplomat. I feel like you didn't do any research if you can't find did. a college. Listen, no, I could have looked listen. up the college. <laughs> listen, Linda. I looked at, I could have looked up the college and I did not. I'll, I just want to get across the fact that he was like, the son of a diplomat, he was affluent, whatever. Doesn't matter. Even even that doesn't matter. It's all frosting. But what we do know was that in his early 30s, he was serving as a stoker on a British submarine during World War II in the Mediterranean Sea. What's a stoker? Um, it's basically like an engines engineer. It's it's one of the better jobs that you can get on a submarine back in the day i don't know about this is world war ii i don't know what it's like today but okay because i was thinking like he was throwing coal into an engine somewhere and i'm thinking this thing's underwater <laughs> well no <laughs> and he's stoking it but i did think that it is what it sounds like right but no it's like being an engineer um it's he probably got the job because his dad was his dad it was one of the better jobs on the submarine 
Okay, but these submarines were a complete death trap. Like, literally, they were a death trap. Like, 70% of people died if they were serving on the U-boats. Awesome. Yeah. So they were lined up to get people? Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, They were bombed from the air. Um, They were hunted with sonar and... Many, like probably most of them, were they collided with mines. So they had underground mines so that they just kind of float right into and then it would explode the submarine. Did you say U boats? Yeah. Isn't that German? It was the, that was the stat that I got for the German, but it was the same for the British. The German U boat said 70% of them died. Oh, so he's in the British Army. He was in the British, yeah. Oh, look, we've just located where he was from. But I don't know if that's where he was from. That's oh, who he was okay. serving for. Well, most of the time you have to be part of that country, don't you? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Anyways. This is where we get to John. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Okay. Back to Capes, so we have no idea where he lives. (laughs) I'm going to back it up a little bit. Capes. I'll start a little bit earlier than what the story is. Um, For some reason, he was on the island of Malta, so I don't know if they were there getting supplies or whatever, but he was there on the island of Malta. And while he was on Malta, the car that he was driving ran into a horse and cart. And he had to go to court and whatnot, but before the case was resolved, he was recalled to service aboard his submarine, which was the HMS Thrasher. Thrasher. Yes. (laughs) So in September of 1941... Capes was given a leave to return to Malta where he would appear in court. So he goes back to Malta and by then Malta is under siege by the Germans and the Italians. So he was smuggled by the magic carpet service. So they're under siege and he still had to go and show up in court. They had to smuggle him in to show up in court for hitting this horse and buggy. Come on. Yeah. That's just, that's a Darwin right there. Yeah. I would be like, Sorry. Not gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't. I don't know. I guess maybe it was like put a warrant out for my arrest. Yeah, court martial me. Anyways, British submarines uh, used this magic carpet service um, when they were delivering supplies and personnel around the Mediterranean, and they smuggled him in. So he went and he showed up in court. I didn't. I couldn't even find what happened, like what he was charged with or not charged with. But I do know that after several weeks, he was ready to leave. So maybe he spent a couple weeks in jail. I don't know, but he was ready to leave. And then on November twenty sixth, he hit. Oh, I can't see the magic carpet service being like an Uber. All right, I'm done. Just come pick me up, please. Yeah. Like he probably had to rearrange that. That's true. Excuse That's me. True. Yes, yes. Magic carpet service. Yes. Please take me back to my submarine. That's true. Okay, um, so he hitched a ride on the HMS Perseus to get back to his Perseus. Perseus, yeah. It was one of the Royal Navy's largest submarines, and it was bound for Alexandria, Egypt, with orders to patrol the waters off of eastern Greece along the way. So during the night of December 6th, Capes relaxed in his makeshift bunk, and he's not even on their um, dock at, what do they call where they say the people that are on board, because he's just hitching a ride. You know what I'm saying? I know what you talk about, um, like the crew list. Yeah, yeah, because There's he's he's not that. actually part of the crew. He's just hitching a ride. Yes. Okay. But I can't remember what that's called. That's going to drive me nuts now. Now i got to go look it up. Okay, so he's relaxing in his makeshift bunk in an empty torpedo rack in the rear compartment of the sub. And he's reading and he's sipping on his bottle of rum. 
Perseus was patrolling on the surface in the dark and recharging her batteries. That's what it said. Like in all of the articles that I was reading, it said they were recharging their batteries. I didn't understand it. They were what? Recharging their batteries. Who was? The submarine was recharging her batteries, and that's why it was. Well, aren't they nuclear subs and they run off of some kind of. This is why I don't do army stories. (laughs) (laughs) Because you have to investigate. Anyways, whatever that means, she was recharging her batteries off the southern coast of the Greek island of Kefalonia. And suddenly, an enormous explosion shook the sub, plunged it into darkness, and sent it nose first, almost straight down. John was thrown out of his bunk, and the lights went out. Then it hit the bottom of the ocean, and the sub remained upright on the seafloor. So it was kind of like bobbing up and down, nose first, on the ocean floor. Beep, 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 beep. What's this? Updating with information about your story. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. There are batteries. Uh, so on this that I've come up with, like the 640 class boomer, um, there were lead acid batteries, just like in a motor vehicle, except vehicle batteries are about a foot tall and produce 12 volts, while each submarine battery is over four feet tall and produces 1.5 volts. Okay, but what were the, how did they The reach- batteries are wired together in both series and parallel. There are a lot of big batteries on a submarine because they'll pr- they have to produce enough electricity to run the whole ship. So then that's what they do. It's almost like a, like a car. Like they, the, they use so much energy and then they use the battery to run the whole ship. Okay. So how are they recharging the batteries by running the engine? I guess so. Oh, I didn't see I all that. I don't know. Anyways, that's what's happened. The submarine has, is sitting on the bottom of the ocean floor right now. Uh, it had hit an enemy mine, and there was water rushing in through the damaged bow. During the explosion, Capes was thrown and slightly injured. Uh, he groped around looking for a flashlight that he knew was stored near the escape hatch and began looking for survivors. He got to the engine room, and he found it full of wreckage and bodies. He could see that the bulkhead door was shut, and it was holding back the sea. But it's a submarine And it's on the bottom of the ocean. So the pressure on the other side was huge. And streams of water were leaking through the seals. Capes did manage to find three injured stokers in the engine's room, uh, in like amongst all the debris and corpses. And then he helped them back further into the stern compartment. He shut the aft watertight door and gave gave the men some of his rum. (laughs) This was like, okay, we're going to go, boys. We're going to do this. Here's some rum. And were those men on the ship's log? Log. That's what it was. I couldn't think of the word. Yes, those men were on the log. See how I just (laughs) put that in there without telling you that I researched (laughs) it either? That's the word. Okay. Anyways, gives him some rum. He's a cape, so he's being a superhero. Here's some rum. Because not all heroes wear capes. Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> Some of them just have them as names. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. This episode's going downhill fast. <laughs> so fast. Capes located four Davis submerged escape apparatus sets. Okay. They're just like some old school scuba diving equipment. And when I say old school, like I'll put a picture on Instagram. Like I would not use this. I would not want to have to rely on this thing to save my life. <laughs> it looks sketchy. What were the other options? Death. Then I guess I'd be <laughs> using it. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, he helped the other men put them on, and then he put one on himself. The depth gauge showed that they were 270 feet below the surface, and the vests were only rated for 100 feet. So they had two choices. They were how far? 270 feet below the surface. So, like, you can get, like, isn't that that nitrogen where you can get the... Um, oh, yeah, the bends. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, they're, yeah, for sure. Um, although the gauges were reading wrong, I was going to get to that, but since we're talking about it, the gate, they were actually only 170 feet below the surface, but the gauges read 270, but still like far enough that you're going to get the bends coming up for sure. Yeah. Decompression sickness. Everything, <laughs> yeah. eh? Cause that's about a hundred feet or something like that, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. That's why the, those jackets things were probably rated for a hundred feet. But they are, right now they have two choices, die at the bottom of the ocean in this steel coffin, or at least try to get to the surface, even though it would probably be suicide. Because if these subs went down, they just like, they stayed at the bottom of the ocean and they just became your coffin. It was pretty normal for that to happen when subs went down. Um, so in order to... I wonder how many are still out there. Like probably a lot. I'll get, I do a little bit of research at the end here, but there's probably a lot. In order to open the escape hatch, the pressure inside the sub had to be the same as the outside. That meant flooding the compartment. So Capes located the starboard bilge valve, but it was bent and it wouldn't budge, so he couldn't let the water in through that. Denny remembered that the submarine's underwater flare gun... Um, which was used to send smoke signals to the surface. So there was this little tube or whatever that you'd put the flare gun in and it would rise to the surface. So he fit, he opened that up and water started to rush in and slowly the water levels rose around them. Capes made sure everyone had their mouthpieces in and their nose clips on. Yep, it was clips. That was the technology. Well, that's yeah, better than no nose clips. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And as the water filled the compartment, compressing the air to the top, he used a spanner, which is like a wrench to undo the bolts holding the hatch, hatch closed. That's right. The escape hatch was bolted closed from the outside. <laughs> so not only on the inside, but also the outside. So he undid the bolts on the inside. And uh, because the because when they landed, it twisted everything a little bit. That's the only reason he was able to get the outside hatch open because he was able to like push and pry it open. Well, that's uh, that's good engineering, <laughs> right? <laughs> he managed to get the hatch open, and all of the air went with it. And now they're at the bottom of the ocean and surrounded by water. Really? At the bottom of the ocean, they're surrounded by water? Yeah. You, who knew, right? <laughs> Capes then guided the others one by one through the opening before following. Even with his flashlight, the waters were so dark and murky, he could only get one last glimpse of the Perseus laying on the ocean floor. He was obviously desperate to reach the surface, but he slowed his ascent so that the pressure wouldn't build up and burst in his lungs. Yeah, because he has to de decompress on the way right. up, right? And he tried his best to decompress on the way up. But despite his efforts, he became dizzy and the pain in his chest grew like really bad, like super intense. Every breath that he took was hurting more the further he rose. And just when he thought that he wasn't going to make it, that his lungs were going to explode, he broke the surface. He looked around for his comrades using his flashlight, but they were nowhere to be seen. So they didn't make it to the top. 
Off in the distance, Cape saw a line of white cliffs. Using his rebreather as a makeshift life vest, he began swimming towards them, hoping that the others had done the same thing. Hours later, Capes lay unconscious on the beach beneath the cliffs, the cliffs of, on the southern coast of Kefalonia. Fishermen from the nearby village of Mavrata found him and hid him in a nearby cave, because don't forget, they're occupied by enemies right now. The island was not safe for him. So for the next year and a half, the islanders, at a great risk to themselves, cared for capes. They moved him from house to house and village to village around the island, keeping him hidden. In order to blend in with the population there, he dropped 70 pounds and he dyed his hair black. They liked him so much that at one point they gave him a prized donkey. And the only condition was that he not eat the donkey. <laughs> Don't eat our donkey. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, on was he a flying donkey? <laughs> Look at me, I'm a flying donkey donkey. What do you mean, don't eat the donkey? <laughs> I don't know. I guess that was that was the condition he was given. He was really um, grateful, thankful, because he knew these people were risking their lives every single day that they were hiding him. So he, uh, he was very grateful for their help. I'm sure he was. I just don't get why not eat the donkey. Like, what I want to hear about the donkey story. Like, what makes you tell somebody not to eat the donkey? <laughs> Maybe the last time they gave a donkey away, it got eaten. I don't know. <laughs> This is not dinner. Fred, not food. <laughs> Finally, on May 30th, 1943, in a plan organized by the Royal Navy, Capes boarded a small fishing boat, which smuggled him 640 kilometers to Smyrna, Turkey. And then he went on to Alexandria, Egypt, and he finally presented himself to the consulate there, and he was free. No, you know, I got to ask the question. What? Where's the donkey? <laughs> I don't think the donkey came out. Maybe he ate it. Oh, know. Jesus. <laughs> um, the problem was that a lot of people didn't believe that anybody could survive that. He wasn't on the log, right? Yep. The hatch was bolted from the outside. They didn't think that his story could be true. So a lot of people thought that he was an imposter and he wasn't even on the sub. Even the Navy didn't believe him. They attached it. They gave him an award and said, congratulations on surviving. But they also attached a note to his file going, oh, I don't believe this guy. <laughs> the whole it's the, crazy. The, he looks like a donkey eater yeah. to me. <laughs> the note that they attached said, the whole of this escape should be treated with reserve, as there are various incidents difficult to account for. Three different authorities who all saw this man separately are doubtful of the whole story. There is no other means of checking the facts, and it is possible that this man, who is only taking passage in the Perseus, may have been on the bridge or in the control room and got out before she sank. At the same time, there is no direct evidence that his story is not that that his story is not in substance correct. So they're saying maybe true, maybe not. Until the day he died in 1985, some considered him a complete fraud. But now he jumped jumped to 1997. Oh, yeah. After he's dead. After he's dead. They found the donkey. Not the donkey. They found the sub. Uh, Greek divers discovered the wreckage of the HMS Perseus under 52 meters of water. So I don't know why it jumps from feet to water, but we know it's 170 feet just off the coast of the island of Kefalonia. What they found was the hull of the bow was cracked, consistent with a mine explosion. 
the aft escape hatch was open. Further dives revealed no bodies in the steering compartment and an empty bottle of rum and a bunk in the torpedo rack. The sluice valve in the underwater flare gun was open and the depth gauge incorrectly showed 82 meters instead of the actual depth of 52 meters. His story was starting to add up. <laughs> yep. Jane, John, Jane, oh my gosh. John Capes would have set a new record for surviving a shipwreck. And 12 years after his death, John Capes was finally vindicated. So now there's a memorial for John in Kefalonia. It's a nice little like stone thing with a plaque on it. And Aww. yeah, the plaque. And a picture of his donkey. <laughs> you are so hung up on this donkey. Well, because you told me not to eat him. <laughs> and now he just disappears from the story. Like, it wasn't that important to the story. Why did you? They gifted him a prize donkey. He and went told him to, not to eat it. And then we hear nothing about the donkey again. He went to go live with Shrek. <laughs> In the swamp. This is my swamp, donkey. Um, That's the worst Shrek invitation ever. <laughs> it's so better than horrible. I could do. So here's that. Okay. Anyways, this plaque says, dedicated to the patriotic islanders who put courage before fear to shelter John H. Capes, the sole survivor of the British submarine HMS Perseus, which was hit by a mine and sank on December 6, 1941, off the coast of Mavrata, Kefalonia. The wreck is now a specialist diver's tourist location. So if you're a specialist diver, you can go and check out the submarine. Um, okay, so that's John Capes. But while I was reading the story, I was reading about like how absolutely awful it would be to live on a submarine. And I wondered what happens if somebody snaps down there. They go to the bridge. I don't know what that is. Jail. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so most, I think uh, all submarines in the past, and I think they still do from what I could find out, they carry two straight jackets and a medication called Thorazine in case somebody just like loses it on board. I read about a guy who was shouting orders at cans of vegetables, <laughs> like attention, whatever, at vegetables. And another guy that freaked out and tried to open the escape hatch while they were submerged. So both of them were kept on Thorazine until they surfaced. Oh, is this sort of like Klinger from MASH where they're trying to get out? Were they just making stuff up? Oh, who knows? Maybe. Um, how old did I just date myself there? Well, I talked about Benny Hill at the beginning, so <laughs> there's that. Okay. But while I was looking for that, like what happens if somebody snaps, I found some other crazy submarine facts. Do you want to hear them? Well, of course. <laughs> okay. During World War II, Ron Hubbard once led a 68-hour battle against two Japanese submarines, which he claimed definitely sunk beyond a doubt. An analysis later concluded that there were never any other submarines in the area. <laughs> so he was just fighting with himself? I guess. <laughs> Can you imagine his crew like, okay. <laughs> Where are we fighting? <laughs> right. Okay. It's just a training exercise. <laughs> or maybe it was aliens. Maybe. A U.S. nuclear submarine that sank in deep water in 1968 is still resting at the bottom of the sea at a known location. Its nuclear reactor and nuclear weapons have never been recovered. Good to know. Right. The British submarine HMS Artful can stay submerged for 25 years without having to surface for air. Well, why would the submarine need air? 
I'm, I'm thinking it's for the people on board. Oh. Right. Like, I don't think the submarine needs that ever. <laughs> I mean, that's not really that great of a feat, right? It's not a breathing submarine. In 1998, an entire Northern Korean submarine and her crew were lost to a single South Korean fishing net. What? <laughs> yep. Got tied up in the... In the uh... It must have been in the propeller. Must oh, have been. Oh, boy. Uh, four people died and 43 people were captured because someone didn't know how to operate a submarine toilet. What? Yeah, so I guess the plumbing got all mucked up and they had uh. to sur- <laughs> they had to surface and when they surfaced they were captured. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a shitty situation. <laughs> right. No US Navy submarine is ever considered lost. If it doesn't return, it is considered to still be on patrol. What? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The deep diving submarine Alvin was attacked by a swordfish. (laughs) It was attacked by a swordfish at 2,000 feet below the surface. It became trapped in Alvin's skin, which was forced to quickly surface. The swordfish was then detached and eaten for dinner. Oh, like (laughs) the donkey. (laughs) Yes. And finally... Navy mem- members undergoing submarine escape training must yell, ho, 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 as they arise to the surface to avoid collapsing their lungs from pressure change. Do you have to pretend you're Santa Claus? I guess. Maybe Santa was a submariner. Maybe. Anyways, that's John Capes, the story that people didn't believe. Poor John. Poor Johnny. Yeah. Goes through all that, then dies, and then they finally, yeah. finally vindicate him. It's almost and, like the artists that don't get discovered until after their death. Right. And nobody knows what happened to the donkey. Nobody knows. Poor Maybe somebody donkey. knows. Maybe somebody in Greece. Let's go back to Greece and we'll ask. No. <laughs> so that's my story. Well, ladies and gentlemen, now it is time for the stuff you normally wait for. Here we go. I mean, here we go. Of course, here we go. Here we go. I'm saying they don't just wait for your story. They like my story. Well, they have to wait for my story because yours is always first. Well, that's true. So I guess here we go for the story they're waiting for. Carry on. I was trying to, but you interrupted me yet again. You're exhausting. Ladies and gentlemen, in June 2011, a Russian man died. I bet you more than one Russian man died. Do you know how this Russian man died? This Russian Johnny. How did Russian Johnny die? He was buried alive. I'm not done with the other story yet. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Oh, no. But how how is this? Did he bury himself alive? (laughs) Oh, I'm getting the hand. So if you guys did not see that, I just gave her the shush. (laughs) Right. So, back to last week's story. Johnny, of an eastern city in Russia. I have the city. I can't pronounce it. It's like <laughs> Blagochinsky or something. So anyways, Good try. Thank you. He climbed into a coffin that he had made. And he had air pipes put into it. And he had a mobile phone with him as well. Okay. Johnny then talked his friend. That's right, a friend. Oh my what God. a friend would do this? I don't know. Into burying a him. drunk friend. He wasn't even drunk. Oh my God. His friend did it. Okay. Why would his friend do this? I don't know. But yes, he did. So 
they went out to his garden is what they say. So I don't know how big his garden was, obviously big enough for a coffin. Um, sunk the coffin in. Uh, Johnny got into the coffin with his air holes and stuff, covered it all up. And then his, his buddy buried him alive. And he's like, I'll be okay. I'm going to call you at such and such time. Let's say 11 p.m. If you don't hear from me, come dig me up. Because, you know. Right. But I don't understand the phone thing then. Like, just dig me up at a certain time. No, no. Because you don't understand the phone thing when I get into the story. Oh, okay. So, he has all this done. And at 11 o'clock, as they disgusted. Disgusted? Disgusted. As they had discussed. <laughs> Johnny calls his buddy. Okay. Hey, everything's going fantastic. I love being underground. Air's coming in. I'm still alive. Life is good. Talk to you in the morning. What? His buddy goes, cool, cool, cool. KKKK, cool. And they go to sleep. Why would anybody enjoy that? I don't know. Oh, well, I'll tell you why later. I know why he's excited about it, but let me finish my story. Okay. Um, so anyways, the next morning, his friend comes over to dig him up as discussed. And finds Johnny dead. Oh. So what happened was Johnny had planned for most things, you know, like what time he was going to call at. And he planned to have air pipes and stuff. What he didn't plan for was one, keep your phone charged. Oh, no. So they're thinking, they're thinking, you know, they're not 100% sure, but he never called for help or anything. Yeah. So they think his phone was dead because his phone was dead when they buried him up, but they can't really tell. Right. You know, when right it went time. dead, right. but he didn't call anybody, obviously, for help. And the other thing he didn't do was check the weather. So it poured. Oh, no. So all the air stuff that he had got plugged with mud falling in it and oh, rain God. and everything like that. So he literally buried himself alive and died. Well, I guess when he was laying in the coffin dying, he probably thought this was a bad idea. Well, here's the thing. So you asked, why would he do that? Yeah. So burying yourself alive had become a trend in Russia. What? Yes, a trend. So he wanted to be buried alive because of superstition. So he was thought that if he was buried, if he went in and did this and survived and got out the next day, that he would have good luck for the rest of his life. Obviously, if you die, you have bad luck for the rest of your life because you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, other people were doing it as a form of uh, self-help. So they were trying to come over their fear of dying and their fear of death and their fear of claustrophobic. Oh, I've read about this. It might have been Russia. Is well, it the company that there's a company that does it? I don't know if there's yeah. a company, but this guy. So no, a year before Johnny did this. Yeah. A year. Uh -huh. 2010. Johnny did this in 2011. A man in Russia got his friend to bury him, but his friend put so much dirt on him that the coffin broke and crushed him. Oh, my God. So, yeah, maybe it's a company. I don't know. But, yeah, I while I was doing my my story research la for last week, I was reading that there's a company that you can pay them to bury you alive. Yeah, well, that's just stupid. Yeah. I think it might have been Russia. So, no. no, people. No, just don't do it. And we talked about the uh, bells in the coffins last week, but I guess not. Like, we didn't really say what the bells were about, so... Like in like uh, medieval times, if you it happens so often that it's still happening. But back then, it happened more often that mm. people like they get they get dug up later and they'd find claw marks on the top of their coffins where you could see that they were actually woke up and they were trying to get out but they were stuck. 
that they started installing ropes in the side of the coffin so that if somebody woke up in the inside of their grave, they could pull the rope and it would ring a bell on the top. Yeah, we talked about this. But we didn't explain it. We just said bells. Like oh. we just, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, there was a rope in there and stuff like that. But because of the wind and everything else, the bells were constantly ringing and people yeah. just started ignoring them. Sort of like a car alarm. When a car alarm goes off, nobody really goes and checks. They just go, hee, 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 somebody yeah. hit the wrong button. Yeah. Which is kind of alarming. That's <laughs> what I did there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, don't bury yourself alive. Don't do it. Don't pay somebody to bury you alive. And make sure you got in your will that you have to be out of the ground for like two weeks and tested every couple of hours to make sure you're dead. Two weeks. You put me in the ground before two weeks. I'll be so mad. So mad. <laughs> That's a long time. You're so like, mad. Stink. I don't care. Febreze me. <laughs> Next. <laughs> we have a training session with the police. Okay. Now, when somebody's training you something, what do you think they do? Like, listen, take notes? <laughs> no, but if somebody's the trainer, like they oh. are training you. Obviously, she doesn't listen or take notes when I talk to people. <laughs> Just tell your story. <laughs> you would think that people would know, you know, the trainer would know what to do and not to do. Right. So, several years before this, a cop was working with his gun and, and took his gun out and tried to place it into the front for something that was going on and get his handcuffs out right. and when he did that he accidentally shot himself in the gut and died oh so to prevent this happening in the future they now training cops on how to properly do this and where to put your gun during certain situations and all that stuff but while they're doing this the instructor pulls out the gun to show the students what had happened and how the guy had died and he shot himself. And he shot himself in the gut and killed himself oh exactly the God. way the guy died. Because he didn't realize that the gun still had a bullet in the chamber. That's safety. That's a good safety course. Why was there? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Darwin. Oh, yeah. So anyways, to keep with the uh, shooting, I'm going on to the next one. This one's a little more uh, recent. You can go on Twitter. I dug around on this. I'm hoping that it's a true story. I couldn't, it was so recent in the way they're doing it. And there was some uh, actual video of it, but I can't find anything that 100% confirms like this. There's happens. no news article. Well, there is a new, like there's a Twitter and a guy talking about it. There's some stuff in there, but there's nothing. It's all people doing. A, so I, if it's fake, I don't know if it's fake. That's what I'm getting right. at. Okay. It's so take it with a grain of salt, but it looked really real and really convincing. And after I tell you this story, I'll tell you what they actually show you and stuff. Okay. So anyways, a soldier found a MacBook. Okay. Where? Where was the soldier? So a soldier in Ukraine okay. found a MacBook. Okay. And he found this in the in a bulletproof vest in the armor section in the front. Okay. Um, so it turns out that a Russian soldier, so this is the Ukraine Russian war that's going on right now. Yes. A Russian soldier found and or stole a MacBook. However, he had nowhere to put it. And as he wanted to keep his hands free so he could use his gun and stuff, he thought this would be a good idea to remove the bulletproof oh my steel God. from his vest. And guess what? A MacBook slides in there perfectly. And he thought, what are the chances I'm going to get well, shot What's the today? chance of me being in a war zone? 
I'm getting <laughs> shot. So he took out the bulletproof steel, replaced it with a MacBook, and found out that it fit perfectly and he could have his hands free. He also found out later when he came around the corner and got into a gunfight that it is not bulletproof. And chances are pretty good that he's going to get shot today. And he's dead. Oh, no. <laughs> so he died. So, again, um, if you go on Twitter, if you want to check this out, it may be true. It may be false. I'm not, like I said, I, this isn't, yeah, this is one could, that I tried it, to. It could be propaganda. It, yeah. It, I tried my hardest to try to find, but it was one of those ones that I just kind of had to, don't. Like, the other thing is I had another bulletproof vest one on here I was going to tell you. Um, I kind of kicked it off, but um, I'll it on real quick there were some kids that were out playing with a bulletproof vest somehow they got their hands on a bulletproof vest and a gun yeah there was three of them and they were taking target practice at each other to see what it would feel like to get hit and while one, wearing one missed and one didn't hit the vest and hit the kid and killed us so, yeah so i pulled that one out because i didn't really i don't know that's, i'm not a big fan yeah, of telling about sad. kids shooting each yeah. other um so that's why i just briefly i told you but briefly i'm not getting into it However, the soldier one was another one with, uh, so yeah, if you have a bulletproof vest, one, use it for the way it's supposed to be used. Yeah. Uh, keep it out of reach of children so children don't try well, stuff. Or guns. Like, keep well, and the, the guns. guns, yeah. <laughs> it amazes me how many times you hear on the, the news, oh, and a kid got a gun out of here and a kid yeah. got a gun. Like, I have guns in my house. There's no way my kids are getting to them. Right. Um, I mean, mine are older now, but when I was younger, I didn't even have them but i mean my handguns and stuff like they're in a case locked away the ammo's locked away they've yeah. got i'm the only i don't even think you have the password for my case no i don't think i do either. so like yeah like use your head anyways um so those are my stories yeah. those are my stories yes good ones good ones not good bad mm -hmm. except for the buried alive one i can't believe the guys are burying themselves alive. That's stupid <laughs> you're still hung up on being oh. buried alive why did you bring that up <laughs> I knew you would enjoy it so much. Oh, it's been like a week without sleep now. <laughs> Being buried alive in June bugs. Hate them. June bugs. What about if you were buried alive with June bugs? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> what if I fart on your face tonight? How about that? Sweet dreams. Uh, <laughs> I think I'd, I wouldn't be buried alive because I think the June bugs would drive me so crazy. I would dig myself out. I think I'd be able to get out. It might actually save my life because they would just be sticking to me in their throats. And people, if you know me, like, I am I am like 300 pounds, 290 pounds now, whatever. I am six foot four. And I ain't scared of much, but fucking June bugs and being buried alive. Seriously, like I have been out in the woods with some pretty creepy animals <laughs> June, and shit. And, the June bugs is just so uh, comical. So comical. Because they stick to you and they don't even find a straight line. Like they're all over the damn place. It's not even like you can move out of their way. It's not funny. It's, it's just, hilarious. It's my favorite time they're of the year. Trying to eat it's me. It's my favorite time of the year when they I start seeing them in the trees and I get to point them out to you. Uh, I just stay inside. I don't even come out. The whole month of June. Stay inside. Or I'm on my motorcycle so I can outrun them. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're enjoying our uh, season two. I hope that you're uh, tuning in. I hope that you're telling friends. Please follow and like us. Uh, it helps out really, 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 really much. Yeah. That's not good English, but it helps out really much. It, it, it helps a lot. Yeah, I could buy hooked on phonics if you guys do it enough and then give you proper pronunciations. <laughs> So anyways, thank you again for listening. Tell all your friends. Um, 
you know, get some more legends on here with us. Everybody listening, everybody talking. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah, we do appreciate it. Um, and send in your stories if you have anything that's kind of funny that you did or dangerous or whatever. Just send them in. We'll read them on the show. And speaking of sending in, I had a dad joke sent in to me. You did? I did. Well, how about that? I know. I didn't even have to look. So this is from Lisa. I don't know if she wants her last name on here or not. So Lisa sent me this. Are you ready? I am ready. Did you know that England England does not have a kidney bank or a blood bank? But it does have a liver pool. Oh. <laughs> well. Yeah, if you if you want to send in dad jokes, <laughs> I'm all for that. It's hit me up, <laughs> debtor survive podcast at gmail.com. Do you want the other one she sent? She yeah. sent two. Okay. Why do some couples go to the gym? Why? Because they want the relationship to work out. Oh. <laughs> that's awesome thank you guys so much that's some of the points where i struggle i was trying to find some good dad jokes so yeah like uh like cheryl just said send it to our email address again give it that one more time debtor survive podcast at gmail.com okay so that's all we got for today hope you guys enjoyed it bye bye